Hello, and welcome to Mr. Benson's Extraordinarium. Extraordinary tales from around the globe and throughout history. I'm Dan Benson. Bill Morgan was a dead man. Well, for 14 minutes and 38 seconds he was. In 1998, Bill was 37 years old, living in Melbourne and working as a truck driver. In many ways, he was your typical little Aussie battler, an unassuming, friendly, easy-going blue-collar worker who took what life had to throw at him in his stride. But things would go quite badly for Bill when the straps broke on the load he was carrying. Bill was parked in a loading bay and was outside of the truck next to the trailer when it happened and was subsequently buried under the seven-ton load. The truck had to be driven out of the loading bay in order for Bill to be recovered. He was taken to hospital and checked over and declared to be fit and well. But he wasn't. A quote from Bill during a telephone interview on the Studio 10 morning television program. I got rushed to hospital and they checked me out and I had no broken bones or anything like that, but at no stage did anyone check my heart. End quote. The pressure on his chest caused heart problems that manifested themselves a few weeks later, and he was given a drug to treat them. A reaction to the drug resulted in a massive heart attack. Bill was dead for almost 15 minutes. To put that into perspective, it only takes nine minutes and you are in the territory of severe and irreversible brain damage, and eight out of ten will wind up in a coma, if they can even be resuscitated. And that's what happened to Bill Morgan. They did manage to resuscitate him, but for around two weeks, he was in a coma. Doctors advised taking him off life support, but fortunately for Bill, nobody consented, because Bill Morgan made a miraculous recovery. He emerged from the coma with no brain damage and completely unscathed. This gave Bill a whole new perspective on life. For one thing, he proposed to his sweetheart Lisa, and she said... Yes. An excited Bill bought an instant scratchy lottery ticket, and wouldn't you know it, after all his troubles, he won a brand new car. Bill was still recovering from his coma, and he had used up most of his savings. He and Lisa were living in a caravan park now, no doubt grateful that Bill was still around, and probably thinking that was miracle enough for one lifetime. Winning a car too? Well, what an extraordinary story to tell the grandkiddies. In fact, it was such an extraordinary turn of events that it became a human interest story for the local television news, and Bill was asked to reenact his lottery win in front of a camera crew. While the cameras rolled, Bill Morgan bought a scratchy, pulled a coin from his pocket, and rubbed away the film. And in a move that the crew initially thought was a reenactment worthy of an Academy Award, Bill turned around and exclaimed matter-of-factly, I've just won $250,000. I'm not joking. End quote. As it began to dawn on everyone what had happened, the blue-collar truckie's air of laid-back masculinity abandoned him, and he became incredibly emotional, at one point cupping his face in his hands to hide tears, and in a whimper asking not to be filmed, and at one stage saying, I think I'll have another heart attack, before ringing his fiancée Lisa to tell her, quote, we got that new house, end quote. 
There's footage of this on YouTube if you'd like to have a look. Out of surviving 14 minutes dead, followed by a two-week coma, and emerging without any lasting damage, or winning the lottery on live TV whilst re-enacting winning the lottery, I couldn't tell you which one I found most extraordinary. So I'll just say, good on you, mate, and leave it at that. Richard James Two-Gun Hart was born on the 28th of March, 1892, in the Italian province of Salerno. Known as Vincenzo at the time, when he was just three years old, his parents emigrated to the US with Vincenzo and his brother Ralph, where the family grew to 11, with seven more siblings being born. Frank, Alphonse, Ermina, John, Albert, Matthew and Mafalda. Vincenzo, as the firstborn, was responsible for overseeing his younger brothers, but, by all accounts, didn't do a fantastic job of keeping them on the straight and narrow, and often escaped his responsibilities by taking the ferry to Staten Island to spend time hanging around the local farms, where he fell in love with horses. There is speculation he may have acquainted himself with cowboy star William S. Hart at this time. That he would grow to idolise Hart is without question. Around the age of 16, Vincenzo left New York after quite literally running away to join the circus. Many possible reasons for this have been put forward, but the fact of the matter is nobody knows why, and I'm not prepared to speculate. What we do know is that he joined the US Army and was involved in an ill-equipped and ultimately failed attempt to capture the infamous Poncho Villa before supposedly serving in World War I the following year although his World War I service is contested. But it was after this that he would begin to make a name for himself. He would find himself mooching about for a period of time before jumping a freight train and hopping out in Homer, Nebraska. He immediately fell in love with the place and felt he had found his real home, and settled there, taking any work that came his way and giving his name as Richard James Hart. During his stint in the army, he had become quite the sharpshooter, and his demonstrations impressed the locals very much, but what really won their hearts was when a flash flood went through neighbouring Emerson in 1919. Hart repeatedly risked his life, first to save a small girl named Margaret O'Connor, then an entire family by the name of Winch. Their 19-year-old daughter Kathleen was so taken by the man who saved her and her family's lives, she would marry him within the year. So impressed was everyone by the new kid in town that the town council appointed him marshal and Richard took to the role with gusto. He began wearing a wide-brimmed Stetson, cowboy boots and carried his pistols in a low-slung holster on his hip like a lawman from the silent cowboy movies of the day, which would lead to the nickname two-gun. He didn't just look like a lawman, he was made for the role, and he was about to get an unprecedented opportunity to demonstrate it. You see, America had just passed the Volstead Act. Prohibition had begun, and by 1920, Hart was a Prohibition agent. Within a few short weeks, he had shut down and destroyed five illegal moonshine stills. I won't get bogged down in the details of his crime-fighting escapades over the years, but he built one hell of a reputation for himself, becoming, quote, such a menace in the state that his name alone carries terror to the heart of every criminal, end quote. 
There were gunfights, fistfights, car chases, countless arrests, and everything anyone could have wanted from a Hollywood superstar. Except that Richard wasn't playing a role in a movie. This was his lived experience. In 1923, however, his reputation would take a hit after a car chase resulted in the death of a young local man who, during the chase, had been shot in the neck. The young man was the local mechanic. He was well-liked and the father of a seven-month-old baby, and the town turned their anger on the man they had named Two Guns. But time is a great healer, and by 1927, he was commissioned as a bodyguard for the then-president, Calvin Coolidge. In 1931, however, he would be in trouble again after shooting dead a man who was resisting arrest. He was indicted for manslaughter, but was acquitted. Nonetheless, it was a bad look. At the time, Hart was overseeing a reservation, and it was from that position that he was fired. To add to this, he had been tracked down by the relatives of one of the men he'd killed, and beaten so badly he lost the sight in one eye. Out of work, broke, and defeated, he returned to Homer, where he got his old job back as town marshal. But it was the Great Depression, and the pay was appalling, and when he was caught shoplifting to supplement his income, that was the end of his days as a famous lawman and hero. He was ageing, broke, lost, and blind in one eye. But as they say, blood is thicker than water, and in 1937, after more than two decades, he got in touch with his family, and they welcomed him with open arms. The family had quite a bit of money behind them now, and Richard... Vincenzo, need not worry about such things anymore. It seems that while Vincenzo was away being a lawman, staunchly opposed to illegal alcohol, the rest of the family had been heavily involved in bootlegging. Led by Vincenzo's little brother, Alphonse, the family were quite wealthy and powerful now. Vincenzo and Alphonse wouldn't catch up till 1939. Alphonse still had two more years in Alcatraz for tax evasion, but when he got out, Vincenzo, Vincenzo Capone, would be reunited with his little brother, Al. Al Capone. been listening to Mr. Benson's Extraordinarium. Created, researched and hosted by me, Dan Benson. If you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button and continue to join me as I uncover extraordinary stories from around the globe and throughout history. Till next time, peace, love, light. Take care. Catch ya.